The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 278 for Thursday, March 5th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. For those of you tuning in for the first time, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our live episodes are on Wednesdays. At 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for wrestling and MMA. And Thursday is at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for gaming and entertainment. As always, some of our subject matter tends to get a little mature, so listener and viewer discretion is advised. All right, so uh, before we get the ball rolling, I think I got to... I think we got to make sure that this fucking cell phone is muted because that would be that would be a wonderful thing. Anyway, aside from that... Uh, It has been snowing here in New York City uh, pretty much since midnight last night after we wrapped up the show. Streets are a mess. Uh, My office was actually closed today. Traveling was treacherous. So uh, hopefully it'll be the last snowstorm of the winter before we actually get some warm weather. It's definitely not been good to us here in New York City. A lot of shoveling has been going on. I know those of you that live in Boston and some of the other areas up north are definitely not fans of this winter either, as you guys are getting smashed left and right. I know a couple of our colleagues and a couple of our friends are at PAX East having to endure the same shit. Best of luck to you guys up there. So um, before we get into this week's gaming and entertainment news of the week, I uh, just want to get some housekeeping out of the way for those of you that did not tune in to last night's gaming. I mean, uh, last night's MMA and wrestling show. Just a couple of things. Um, our forearm testing, uh, forearm, <laughs> our forum testing is currently in progress. I actually have narrowed down a forum that we want to try and use, see how it goes and see if we can actually bring it together and give you guys a place to just hang out and shoot the shit and talk about all the stuff that we cover on air. A couple of reasons why I'm doing this, obviously, uh, reason number one is Facebook's crippling of Pretty much any engagement on fan pages, you have to go the extra mile or obviously you have to shell out some money to ensure that your message is heard by your audience. Now, I understand. And and again, as much as I dislike the notion, I understand that Facebook has to make money as well. But 
We are trying to find other ways, alternative ways to ensure that you guys get all of our content and are just able to kind of have a place to hang out and shoot the shit about the stuff we cover, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, a couple of people suggested we try a Facebook group, and I know that the hardworking crew at Punching the Walls of Reality has tried it with much success. But again, this goes back to just trying to pr- protect our just our, our brand and, and trying to give you guys someplace that's outside of the confines of Facebook. I know that that's, you know, something that some of you guys are trying to shy away from just because Facebook is just all encompassing. I know many of you don't like to leave Facebook's warm embrace. And I think that's one of the reasons why the, um, the group was suggested, but alas, you know, I'd rather do a forum and have control of our brand and just have control of how people can engage and hang out Obviously, Facebook groups have certain rules and criteria that kind of keep certain things from being addressed or discussed or, you know, just again, just too much, too much sharing, so to speak. I know that that's the whole point of social media, but I also think that it's made some of us really hate each other on the down low for a multitude of reasons, whether it's, you know, our belief systems or whatever. But in any in any case, like I said, I'm going to reach out to some of you, some of our Uh, regular listeners, some of you that engage with us on a regular basis, just to try and and test out the forums, kind of help us work out the bugs before we launch it officially for people to start joining. Uh, We're going to try and keep a little bit more simplified than our last forum, just kind of keeping it gaming, wrestling, entertainment, tech, and maybe some offshoots of the stuff that we cover on the site. But again, just try, try and keep it real limited easy access again, you know, Facebook login, Twitter login, etc. things like that, just so that it's easy for people to join and engage. Once we are ready to go public, of course, I will make an announcement on air. Uh, the other thing I did want to talk about, I know I owe you guys a review of the Kingsman. Uh, I am working on that. There is a couple of other things that kind of jumped in front of it, but there should be a Kingsman review. Hopefully this week, if all goes according to plan, If I don't complete it, maybe I will record a brand new minority film report and just release it as an audio post, as an audio version, instead of just throwing a wall of text at you guys. We'll see what happens. Even still, if we do that, I definitely want to give that to our app owners first, just because those guys are invested monetarily and should get some of that stuff first. All right. So what do we got on deck for tonight? Uh, We're going to be talking about the return of Rock Band, of course. Uh, News out of GDC and PAX East uh, pretty much broke broke over the last couple of hours acknowledging that Rock Band is a go. Its return is imminent to both Xbox One and PlayStation 4. In addition to that, I am almost certain that we'll be seeing an announcement from Activision for a return of Guitar Hero as well. Now, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some of the other gaming news on the entertainment side. There's... Uh, a fair amount of entertainment news. There was a brand new Avengers trailer that was released, which you could check out on RageWorks.net and a couple of other news items that I want to get into. As always, if you want to participate, feel free to use our chat on MTRLive.com or feel free to call in 347-324-3541. Unfortunately, there is no video feed. I know I, I may have said that at the beginning of the broadcast. If I didn't, Please note there is no video feed on mtrlive.com. Unfortunately, our colleagues at GFQ um, are out of town, so nobody could set up video for us. But 
you can listen to high quality audio feed via Mixler. And of course, video is still being recorded and will be released on our YouTube channels, both for My Take Radio and for Rageworks. So rest assured, there is video going out there, much like yesterday's show. There was video already released. All right, with that said, let's get this ball rolling, jump into some gaming, and let's see where the night takes us. All right, so as I said at the beginning, at the at the top of the show, uh, they got some news out of GDC and, of course, uh, out of PAX East with regards to uh, Rock Band, and we're going to get into that later on in the segment. I did want to talk about something very interesting that was acknowledged. It's something that we've mentioned on air a couple of times, and that is the necessity for roster updates for WWE 2K15. Uh, one game that we did cite that has been doing a good job with it thus far has been EA Sports UFC game. For as much shit as I give EA on a consistent basis, I got to give the devil their due with regards to keeping an updated roster and continuing to improve the game versus 2K, which either is releasing a a ton of packs that people got to pay for, or they have to actually invest in a season pass to even get a handful of the superstars that they want. So, um, Attack of, uh, of the Fanboy actually posted an article asking why 2K Sports doesn't provide roster updates for WWE 2K15 as they do for the NBA 2K series. Uh, Marcus Stevenson, uh, the community manager for WWE Games, actually reached out and explained on the official forums that the reasoning why that's not done is because we model an entire superstar entrance animations, etc., very different than sports games that have a set number of body types and replacement heads. I would know. I was a di- I was a designer at EA Sports and actually assigned the body types. So, taking that into consideration, I can understand logistically why that would be the case, but I also have to look at it from the standpoint where if you're creating a created superstar, you have a certain amount of body types at the ready. Most guys start with the average body type and build up or build down. I, I don't understand how it's so difficult for you to establish that type of a, of a platform for games like WWE 2K15 because you're either going to have the cruiserweight build, the regular build, the super jack build, or you know the seven-footer build. And it's pretty much, again, the bodies are going to differ somewhat, but most of the guys are either you know athletic, semi-athletic, heavyweights super heavyweights or giants and the cruiserweights most guys similar body types there are some differences but you look at a um oh here's a good example you look at a daniel bryan you look at a Sami Zayn, an adrian neville adrian neville you'd probably just go a little shorter and probably a little stockier because he's he's in he has a different type of body but again the same thing has to apply as to why you just can't have preset body types or at minimum at minimum as some of these superstars get called up you call them in and get new body scans at least even without adding their entrances at minimum allow people to download their names and their move sets and even just their skins if necessary and let us be the ones that either add our own entrance music or etc there's ways around it i do feel that it's the default answer from 2K and you know some people are going to 
are going to disagree with that. But I do feel that you're 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 holding you're holding us hostage, so to speak, and making people a slave to having to buy all this DLC because not for nothing. If you look at at EA Sports UFC, all those fighters have different body types and their scans coming in for guys like Anthony Rumble Johnson, Brock Lesnar, who has a new scan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what's the excuse there? Because all those guys, yes, they have similar movesets. All of them punch and kick. But a guy like Brock Lesnar is not going to move the same as a guy like Tyron Woodley or a fighter like Ronda Rousey or Misha Tate or Demetrius Johnson. They're all going to have builds. And while the bulk of those fighters were already in the game, new fighters continue to be released quite often. I mean, like I said, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Tyron Woodley, um, a, a, a slew of, of other fighters, plus veterans as well, including Mark Coleman, uh, Hoist Gracie, etc. And again, those are new scans for a game that was being handled by a brand new company. It's not like this is EA. Um, it's it's not like this is 2K's first rodeo when it comes to the WWE 2K series. Again, I feel it's a bit of a crutch answer, and I'm hoping that it becomes something that gets rectified in future incarnations of the game. Like I said in our in my review for WWE 2K15 uh, for Xbox One, and you know for even for PlayStation 4 that Jay talked about. The game has its flaws, but it was also a first-year entry. I expect a lot of those flaws to be addressed and fixed for the next one when it gets released later on this year, most likely October or November from the rumblings I've heard because work has already started on that game. As always, if I hear anything else or we get any additional updates, we will definitely share it with you guys here. Now, Besides PAX and Game Developers Conference and the GDC going on, also is the Mobile World Conference that's going on in Barcelona, Spain. Now, you're probably asking yourself, why is Rich going to talk to me about cell phones? While, yes, it's, it, that's partially what goes on there as well, the other thing that happens during the Mobile World Conference is that there are hardware improvements and innovations that do tie into gaming as well. One such piece of hardware that was shown off was HTC's new partnership with Valve to make a new VR headset called the Vive, which they plan to launch uh, later on this spring, first as a, as a developer edition, then as a consumer edition by the end of the year. Uh, myself and my colleague Danny from Royal Flush, we got to see Samsung's VR headset, which utilized the Note 4, much like this, and I was rather impressed with the technology that was being harnessed uh, in partnership with Oculus Rift to give us a pretty decent virtual reality experience. Now, like 3D, 4K, and everything else, I feel that virtual reality gaming at, at, the, at the present time is just a glorified buzzword, only because the execution of that requires a lot of work to create a seamless experience. But I will say that innovations have come a long way from the days of the Nintendo Virtual Boy. So I gotta, I gotta say that while I do feel that it's definitely a direction I see us going in, I don't see that becoming readily accept acceptable technology, at least in my opinion, for another five years. Uh, right now, you're going you're gonna to immerse yourself in this brand new virtual reality space, and like many other things, the novelty will wear off. It's the same thing that, I, that happened with 3D. When 3D TVs became the norm, and pretty much everyone was, you know, chomping at the bit to upgrade their systems. 
everybody embraced the medium, but people realized that the medium just wasn't as great as it was cracked out to be. And part of that is just because there's different types of 3D glasses, different ways that people can immerse themselves in the experience, plus the higher markup on 3D movies. Um, our very own Slick messaged me earlier today discussing the uh, price points of 4K televisions. 4K, 4K TVs uh, six months to a year ago, we're talking $8,000, $9,000, $10,000 and up, depending on how big of a TV you wanted. Now 4K is reaching very, very affordable uh, price points where we're seeing 4K TVs under $1,000, you know, even even closer to, to 500 in some cases, depending on on the make and model you choose to go with. And like I said, while I, I admire the innovation that companies are bringing to the table, I do feel that the whole virtual reality uh, gaming platform and not even that, just the assessment that they think people are going to jump on this right away is something that I personally do not agree with. While I did like what Samsung brought to the table with the Oculus VR or the Gear VR headset, I do feel that the technology itself is in its infancy and there's still a lot of bugs that need to be worked out. I mean, even the 3DS, I know a lot of people that purchase the system and don't even use the 3D feature because it bothers their eyes or it gives them headaches, etc. I mean, my own sister, even though even though she's nonverbal, she does wear glasses and when she was playing it in 3D, I noticed that her her eyesight, you know, her her vision would she'd have to squint or or there was a lot of movement in her in her eyes to just allow her to enjoy it. So I ended up just turning off the 3d functionality on her 3ds. And again, uh, different strokes for different folks. Everybody's going to embrace the technology differently. But for me, someone who's notorious at times for being an early adopter, I'm going to take a wait and see approach. Uh, slick says the new 3ds would work for her slick as much as I would love to get her the new 3ds. Um, there's a, there's a situation involving a missing DuckTales game and, an original DS that she thought she would look really good on top of a stove with the with the flame on. So uh, there will not be a new 3DS in the future for her, but I appreciate the recommendation nonetheless. Ladies and gents, that's a story for another day. <laughs> I will I will say this: the uh, the headset is gonna the Vive headset from HTC will allow for full um, immersion. In other words, you're gonna have a full room scale 360 degree solution where gamers are going to be able to get up, walk around, and explore a virtual space, plus inspect objects from every angle. Uh, the headset is supposed to offer 90 frames per second, obviously a, a far departure from standard 30 and 60 frame per second medium. You're getting 90 frames per second. Again, the immersion is is a wonderful idea. I think it's something that's that's a step in the right direction. I just don't feel... From a retail standpoint, we're at that threshold where it's a worthy investment. Simple as that. But again, let's take a wait and see approach. Of course, HTC now bringing out their headset to compete with Samsung. I'm sure other companies are going to step up. I know Sony has a VR headset in the works as well. And I'm curious to see how a game company like Sony actually implements the whole VR headset uh, medium. And the reason I say that is because mobile mobile companies have, uh, uh, I don't want to say a rudimentary understanding, but they're definitely um, not, they're, they're not on the same threshold as a company like Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo that really thrive in that space and can actually put 
the medium to use in an effective manner. But again, like I said, the Sony, the Sony VR headset, we're still a ways off. I believe we're supposed to be seeing something at E3. We may see something at PAX East. I've seen some stuff floating around, but it's not enough for me to report to you guys already. All right, so Slick did add that Sony's headset requires two PlayStation Move controllers currently. Thank you for that, Slick. I actually did not know that, so I appreciate the info. All right, so Mortal Kombat X is pretty much around the corner. I want to say I believe it's give or take three weeks away uh, from release, maybe four, actually maybe maybe a month, maybe a month out. Um, in any case, we all know that characters and and video are being released at, at a rampant pace. We actually shared the story trailer on RageWorks.net not too long ago, but there's also rumors of characters, other characters making their way to the roster outside of our normal combatants. Uh, there's a rumor that we may see a Predator get involved in Mortal Kombat. There's also a rumor that we may see Jason Voorhees involved. And the thing is, we've already seen Freddy Krueger in the regular Mortal Kombat, so seeing Jason Voorhees or the Predator uh, definitely cool. Not not something that bothers me, just because again they're ancillary characters. Thank you, thank you, Slick. Uh, Mortal Kombat X releases on um, the fourteenth, uh, so yeah, we're about a month out, give or take. And with that regard, as I was saying, the the game itself looks very impressive, super ultra violent, which is always good in my book. But the other thing that uh, Warner Brothers is doing is that they're actually going to release a mobile companion game for Mortal Kombat X, much like they did with Injustice. Now, this fighting card hybrid game is, of course, being put out by NetherRealm Studios and will be available next month for the iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, and, of course, Android devices. Now, the way it works is similar to the way Injustice is done. You know, you're going to do the, the card style battling, which, of course, you're going to use that and probably carry some of that over into the game much like Injustice, the mobile version of Injustice is done. And I do I do think it's a cool concept. I think doing mobile tie-ins is a nice way to get the game out there to a broader audience. And not only that, it also succeeds in getting people to invest a little more because they're like, hey, you know, the mobile game is kind of cool. Maybe the console game is, is just as good, if not better. Um, again, it's all a matter of cost at this point. Even if it's a dollar or two or even if it's four bucks, Again, the Injustice game, I know people that are still playing it and um, they're doing what they got to do. And that's fine in my book. I got I got no issues with that whatsoever. I do think that um, with well, like with anything else, it's it's the main it's the main platform that matters. And as beautiful as Mortal Kombat X looks graphically, it's all about the gameplay. Again, the last Mortal Kombat game really was quite enjoyable. Um, even Injustice, I have a soft spot for Injustice. I know a lot of people uh, didn't really like the game for a multitude of reasons, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the control scheme. I enjoyed that it was very pick up and play, uh, very beginner friendly for a lot of people, which was which was okay in my book. And I kind of have a nagging suspicion that Mortal Kombat will have a similar approach. But again, we won't know and we won't know the full story until the 14th. But I know that myself, I'm sure Slick is going to pick it up, and a multitude of our RageWorks staff. Is it has that game on their radar? I did want to try and pick up Dragon Ball Xenoverse uh, this past week, but unfortunately, I did not. Instead, I ended up using a uh, Target special that they had, where it was buy one get one free on Ubisoft titles to pick up Assassin's Creed Unity and Assassin's Creed Rogue. 
which they ended up, I ended up price matching Amazon at the time. So not only did I buy one, get one free, but I, I essentially paid pretty much 30 bucks for both games. So not too bad at the end of the day. Um, very cool deal. It's not often you hear a buy one, get one free. It's usually a buy two, get one free, but I do want to try and get Dragon Ball Xenoverse because I've heard good things from our very own Jay Santi. And uh, obviously I'm, I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan. So, and I own most of the games, so I'll pick it up and see what the deal is. Of course, I will try and get a review out for you guys. Maybe actually finally get some streaming done considering that I picked up a, um, brand new laptop and I'll get into that stuff later on in the segment. All right, so this is this is something that really is is a little crazy only because Slick and I have had lengthy discussions on air about DLC and the the way that companies are nickel and diming us for certain things. Well, we got a brand new solution which um is completely insane depending on how you look at it. It involves the upcoming Battlefield Hardline which is releasing a membership program. Get this. It's a membership program called Battlefield Hardline Premium, which is going to cost $50 annually. It's going to feature, it's going to give you four new features, including masks, gun back, competitive play, and legendary status. Players can also get four story-themed digital expansion packs two weeks in advance. Members will also get monthly rewards and access to exclusive in-game events and items that let players pull off heists and high-speed chases. As I said, the gun bench is going to give people the ability to visually customize their weapons and track their kills per weapon. You're going to get different types of masks tied to a certain theme, so you're going to have a gas mask, uh, varying types of gas masks, varying types of customization options, uh, competitive play through Battlefield Hardline's premium access-only tournament and ladder system, and of course, legendary status as well. But as I said before, we are talking about a $50 a year subscription. So we're going beyond the conventional season pass or the conventional map pack release, et cetera, et cetera. We're now getting into subscriptions that are supposed to enhance the gameplay for games. And this, my friends, is once again, another another example of just you paid the $60 investment for the game. Now, if you want to really get into the game and immerse yourself in the experience, you're going to have to pay an additional $50. So now your cost of ownership is 110. Let us also factor in that you're going to be paying that additional $50 annually if you even want to continue to enjoy these other features. And yes, that subscription fee is on top of Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus Slick. How insane is that? It is it is bananas, but it gets crazy. So the four digital expansion packs are going to give you new multiplayer maps, modes, vehicles, in-game content, and of course a story linking all four. So in addition, you're going to get 12 gold battle packs. You're going to get new personalization options. You're going to get access to double XP in-game missions and also more Battlefield Hardline premium exclusive events. Of course, the game is powered by the Frostbite engine, has a ton of Hollywood press behind it, a lot of a, a lot of good leading actors. Alexandra Daddario's involved, Wendy Calhoun from Justified, uh, Benito Martinez from The Shield, and the game is scheduled for release on March 17th here in the U.S. 
March 19th in Europe and March 20th in other areas of the UK. Um, of course, it's going to be released on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, Xbox One, 360, and via Origin for the PC. Again, this is getting insane. We're going past DLC, we're going past season passes, and we're going into subscriptions. And don't get me wrong, I've seen video for Battlefield Hardline. It looks tremendous. Graphically, it looks very impressive. But what bothers me about it is that we're going into annual memberships for you to enjoy all this bonus content. Now, don't get me wrong. Anybody can jump in the chat or hit me up on the phone and say, you know what, Rich, you don't have to pay that $50 a year subscription and you can still enjoy the game. That's right. But when you're adding certain things like the ladder system and certain types of tournament play, it should be open to everyone who purchases the game or if you're going to purchase the season pass, so be it. But the fact that you're already increasing the cost of ownership to $110, that's not even factoring tax, is ludicrous. It is insane at this point. But once again, we as gamers cannot sit here and do, you know, where it's very easy for the gaming industry. And well, let me rephrase that. It's very easy for the gaming community or for gamers in general to attack each other because there's there's plenty of mediums where you're nameless, formless, shapeless. People can't see your face. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of anonymity at play for you to attack your fellow gamers and And because of that, it's very easy for people to not have a unified stance on things because there's so much anonymity that people can just say, yo, fuck that guy or that guy sucks or whatever the case may be. And what that ends up doing is it does more harm than good when situations like this arise. And I've talked about this before. The only way that we can make a statement aside from acknowledging it as members of the quote unquote media is to also be active with the best weapon of all, our wallets. If you want to play Battlefield and you want to enjoy the experience, just buy the game. And then when they look at the statistics and they realize, wow, we're not selling annual subscriptions, they're going to realize, hey, that maybe wasn't a smart idea. Like, that's that's how easy it is. But it's it's easier to tear each other down than to create a unified voice. And I've talked about this when it comes to video game violence, uh, well, correction, when it comes to violence attributed to gaming, when it comes to quote-unquote sexism or discrimination, whether it's based on color, gender, sexual orientation, whatever the case may be, it, it's it, we, we as a, as a quote-unquote demographic based on entertainment really at times just, just beat the shit out of each other for no reason. Yet when our when our medium is attacked by by the public, by politicians or even by developers that are just finding ways to screw over the consumer, nobody's taking that much of an aggressive stance. But, you know, let somebody complain about harassment or let somebody complain about, um, you know, how a game is how a game is embraced based on opinion. And everybody has, you know, everybody has something to say at that point. And with that, like I said, speak with your wallets. The game is 60 bucks. Enjoy the game for what it is. And when you realize, oh, man, I wish I could play this. Remind yourself, hey, that's going to cost me an extra $50. 50 For a game that in a year from now, people aren't going to be paying another 50 bucks to renew that because there's going to be another IP 
or another title that's out there that's going to be the latest trend or the biggest buzzword. And it truly is unfortunate because, like I said, Battlefield looked incredible. The 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 story, the way they wanted to do it, just giving us something besides running around and shooting each other in some sort of a quasi-military atmosphere was great. It's either shoot each other, shoot soldiers, or shoot aliens. Now, it's a little bit of a, of a different approach. Don't get me wrong. It's still first-person shooter fair all the way, but at least it looked promising and it looked like something that that a lot of people would have fun with but then you're trying to tack on this whole annual subscription shit and you're gonna you're gonna alienate a lot of your audience but again ladies and gents if you're on the fence about this game and you want to pick it up please be advised that the only way you're going to get the ultimate experience is by laying out an additional 50 bucks all right so Last week, we talked about upcoming free titles for both Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus. Um, The Xbox Live titles were announced, but the PlayStation Plus titles were not fully available when we went on air last week. But as a reminder, just want to let you guys know that if you want to get some free titles and you have Xbox Live Arcade and or Xbox Live, you can get Rayman Legends on the Xbox One for free. From March 1st through the 15th, meaning you have till next Sunday, you can get Tomb Raider on the Xbox 360. From March 16th through the 30th, you can pick up Bioshock Infinite. Again, keep those dates in mind. March 1st through the 15th for Tomb Raider. March 16th through the 30th for Bioshock Infinite. Now on the PlayStation side, if you're a PlayStation Plus owner, you got a lot of really good titles at the ready. Uh, for PlayStation 4, you got Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, Valiant Hearts, Ali Ali 2, and Counter Spy. So those are all the titles available for PlayStation Plus owners on the PS4. On the PS3, you're going to get Papo and Yo, you're going to get Sherlock Holmes, Crime and Punishment, and Counter Spy. On the PlayStation Vita, you're going to get Ali Ali 2 and Counter Spy for free. So. There you have it, guys. If you have either one of the premium services, you got some free games on the radar. And make sure you pick them up, like always. If you download them and you don't play them right away, they're not going anywhere. You can always re-download them if you have no space. But definitely, I'd pick up Rayman Legends on the Xbox One. I think that's that's a day one download. And I actually, actually think I did set that to download earlier today. On the Xbox 360, I, I would have downloaded Tomb Raider but I did download Tomb Raider on the PS3 when it was available on PS Plus. But I definitely will be picking up Bioshock Infinite on the PS4. Oddworld, I, Oddworld's always been a guilty pleasure from the old days, from the from the older Oddworld games. So, I, you know, I'd give it a shot. Again, it's free. It's not going to kill anyone. But those are the titles to be on the lookout for, both for Xbox Live and for PS Plus. All right, so I definitely want to talk about Evolve, which actually has something rather cool available this weekend. If you're still playing Evolve, you can actually unlock the dev-only Molten Gold Monster skins. Between 9 p.m. on March 5th and 9 p.m. on March 8th, anyone who plays a match of Evolve will be rewarded with the skins, which were previously only available to develop to the development team for the games. Also, as an added bonus, members of the dev team will be playing in force 
this weekend. So you got a pretty good chance that if you jump on a game, you'll be able to play with the developers of Evolve. So if you are playing the game actively, go online and grab yourself the Gold Monster skins, which are available starting on 9 p.m. March 5th all the way to 9 p.m. on March 8th. All right, so the big news, as I mentioned, the return of Rock Band. Harmonix is working with um, Mad Cats to create a brand new set of instruments for Rock Band 4, which will be released on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One by the end of 2015. Now, the crazy thing is, is that Harmonix is shooting to make all the instruments from previous installments available and accessible on current consoles. So that means that if you have instruments from your PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360 in your basement or tossed in your attic somewhere, you may be able to use them on Xbox One or PlayStation 4, which is definitely a plus. But of course, they are going to be releasing first first party hardware um, well, not first party, but they're going to be releasing new hardware via Mad Cats. Mad Cats actually uh, released some photos of the new guitar and some of the other instruments, and you'll be able to pick that up if you decide to go with the game later on this year. The other thing that they're shooting to do is that they're going to allow gamers to carry over all of their old DLC songs, which is crazy. Of course, the game, the series launched in 2007 countless dlc packs have been released since then and to be able to carry all those into a new game is definitely a solid solid move on harmonics's part got to give those guys credit for really trying to give gamers and welcome gamers back to the rock band experience as i said the goal is to get the instruments from the the previous generation uh, accessible to everybody that wants to jump back into the mix like Danny said in the chat, they are they were paying attention to that survey that they did put out. And I got to commend them. I think, see, this is what I'm saying. This is a developer that's really trying to go out of their way to not only create a new fan base, but to also reward the existing fan base, which even Danny said in the chat is still playing that game on the on the other systems with the instruments that they currently have. So, again, this is really, really um a really great thing on the part of harmonics. I got to give those guys full credit for doing right by, by the gaming community. And I hope that they're able to pull it off and really work, uh, give us full backwards compatibility plus all that DLC as well. I mean, considering that most of it was purchased through, you know, Xbox live and PlayStation plus or PSN and obviously promo codes here and there, depending on how you got some tracks, the, the ability to carry it over should be rather simple based on, just xbox live gamer tags or playstation plus user ids but again there may be more at play here but i like where they're going i really think this is great and i gotta commend them definitely so again if you are a fan of rock band on either the playstation or the xbox do yourselves a favor dust off those old instruments because you're going to be able to use them for the new game if harmonics has their way the other big news that came out this week aside from the rock band news was the metal gear solid five the phantom pain uh we started getting a lot of news including some special versions of the game that will be released of course the phantom pain arrives september 1st on playstation 4 xbox one playstation 3 and the xbox 360 
It will also be released on Steam on September 15th. Now, the collector's edition of the game is going to have a half-scale replica of Snake's bionic arm, which is pretty awesome. I saw the pictures for it. In addition to that, you're going to get a collectible steelbook, a behind-the-scenes documentary, and a trailer's Blu-ray disc. You're also going to get a map and exclusive packaging. But aside from that, you're getting a weapon and shield pack. You're going to get special cardboard boxes, which is quite amusing. You're going to get different snake costumes, including fatigues um, for Black Ocelot, Gray Urban, Blue Urban, and All-Purpose Dryland. You're going to get a Venom Snake emblem, and of course, you're getting a Metal Gear Online XP boost. Metal Gear Online items that you will also be getting is the Metal Gear Rex helmet, the Golden AM MRS4, and the Golden MWS, uh, MW, uh, excuse me, <laughs> the Golden WS pistol as well. So, there you have it. Metal Gear 5 hit stores September 1st. They got a crazy collector's edition that they're trying to drop. And again, for those of you that are Metal Gear fans, I haven't, you know, I haven't played a Metal Gear game in ages. Even the limited one that they released, I just wasn't inclined to pick it up. I really have a soft spot for, for the original games. And um, not to say that I wouldn't pick up the new ones. I did pick up the one uh, with, with Raiden, which... Um, I picked up on Black Friday, and it's still unplayed. It's it's in the backlog of games I got to play. But the stuff that they're offering you is is ridiculous. I'm going to see if I can actually get pictures that I can post on the site that aren't locked behind some sort of, you know, typical developer um, NDA. But we'll see what happens. If I can get those pictures, of course, I will share them on RageWorks.net because you guys definitely need to see that half-scale replica of Snake of Snake's bionic arm, because that shit is pretty fucking cool. All right, so this particular gaming bit of gaming news is more so a, a retailer bit of news as well. So many of you that shop for games usually go to either your big box retailers like Target or Best Buy or Walmart, um, some of you do strictly online with Amazon, others support mom and pop establishments. I pride myself on trying to do a healthy mix of all of the above. I try not to give GameStop my money. I just, it's not in me. Um, and if I, if I do have to do it, it's very rarely, but in any case, uh, Best Buy is actually doing something a little different and actually something that may want to get that people may want to get in on. So Best Buy has a Gamers Club Unlocked membership tier, which runs for $99 for a two-year membership. Now, the reason that people didn't want to jump on this initially was because of that $99 price tag. But as of Sunday, March 8th, Best Buy will be dropping that price of the program down to $30 for a two-year subscription. Now, you're probably probably saying to yourself, Rich, why am I going to give Best Buy $30? When I already buy games from them and I use reward zone certificates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's a couple of reasons. First off, if you sign up for the subscription, you're going to get 20% off new physical game discs. And and pretty much after three titles, the membership has played for itself. You're going to get 20% off. So if there's any new games on your radar, Arkham Knight, some of these other titles after March 8th, you will be able to get 20% off right off the bat. In addition, you're going to get a 10% bonus trade-in credit for video games, of course. You're going to get 10% always on pre-owned video games. You're going to get 20% off 
on Amiibo figures. So if you are an Amiibo collector or an Amiibo hoarder, <laughs> you're going to get a, a nice discount of 20%. In addition to that, every dollar spent on new game software, digital gaming, or gaming accessories, you're going to earn two two times uh, two times more Best Buy points, which of course earning double the points is going to give you reward zone certificates faster, which of course those come in increments of five bucks and you can use those to shave off additional money. Last but not least, they're going to give you the usual special one-time use coupons and you're also going to get two, two Best Buy points towards every dollar of video game software that's traded in. Plus, of course, the usual exclusive shopping days that reward zone members currently get as well. Now, like I said, it's usually a $99 membership. They're dropping it down to 30 bucks, which I think is fine. I actually am contemplating picking it up because again, 20% off is is pretty nice and it's 20% off every game all the time. So, like I said, after after buying 3 titles, that pretty much pays for itself at that point. And with the amount of great games on the horizon, it's it's worth doing that, especially if you already shop at Best Buy to begin with. So, you know, it's it's a decent investment. I mean, the one-time use coupons for, for people that were involved in the $99 tier, which I know a couple of guys that did that, they actually, you know, got 50% off coupons on new games. Um, they were first on online for pre-orders, picking up games. So definitely some really cool perks if you are interested in doing that. And like I said, for 30 bucks, it's not a bad deal. Like I said, that 20% off on new games alone is definitely cool. And like I said, if you're an Amiibo collector, that's even better. Again, it goes live Sunday, March 8th for 30 bucks versus the usual 99. Now, the other bit of rumor, the other bit of rumor and speculation that's been making its way through the internet the last couple of hours has been the departure of Phil Harrison. GameIndustry.biz is reporting um, that Phil Harrison has left Microsoft. Microsoft has not confirmed his departure as of yet, but um, all signs point to Phil Harrison no longer being with the company. Harrison joined Microsoft as the VP of Interactive Entertainment in 2012. He was previously head of Sony's global network of studios before resigning from Sony in 2008. In the interim, he was a partner in an investment capital firm called London Ventures and was also previously on the board for Atari. Of course, Microsoft still hasn't confirmed, but like I said, a lot of credible media sources are stating that Phil Harrison is no longer with Microsoft. Once we get a full confirmation, we will either discuss it on air or maybe discuss it on the site. Who knows? Maybe we'll have the forum set up by then. In any case, Phil Harrison no longer with Microsoft. The other big the other big news coming out is the continued merger of technologies between the Xbox platform and Microsoft's Windows 10 operating system. Now, before anybody gets their their, their underwear in a bunch, I, I admire what Microsoft is doing, trying to create one unified platform that is synonymous with all their hardware and technology as someone who is a you know Windows 7 user has had Windows Home Server as a main home server system for quite some time before switching before I switched to Synology and just being a, a supporter of Microsoft products um I do have to say that what they're doing is um is really really innovative and the reason I say this is because 
we've already seen the 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 implementation of things like Internet Explorer and certain, you know, Xbox Live Music, which of course is pretty much available on multiple platforms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the crazy thing is that at this year's GDC, it was announced that Xbox is going to release the Xbox Live SDK to Windows as part of Windows 10, which is really, really big for a multitude of reasons. This is going to allow people to create universal apps that will not only work in conjunction with Windows 10, but also with Xbox and Xbox Live, which is very, very important. And the reason I say this is because by creating an SDK ecosystem that allows developers to create apps and services that are compatible across multiple platforms, you can go and I don't know, maybe you want to create uh, Amazon would like to do a Kindle app that not only works on your console, but can also work on your laptop or your television or your, you know, your, let me rephrase that. That works not only on your laptop or PC, but also works on your console. So if you wanted to show, share a picture book with your kids and you had a Amazon Kindle service, you could pull up that picture book on your TV. The kids can read it with big text, you know, really big pictures. That's just one example. Of course, there's going to be other options and other opportunities that will arise with the release of the SDK. But for me, as, as a gamer, I really do like what Microsoft is trying to do, the synergy they're trying to create, especially if you have a fully operational Microsoft-powered home. I see no issue with this whatsoever. I mean, it's no different than Apple trying to create that harmony between iOS, their regular OS 10 system, and of course, platforms like Apple TV, iPads, and iPhones. I think that for a lot of people, I mean, even, even one of our writers and my good friend, Josh, he, his house is completely Apple from, from soup to nuts. You know, he uses a Mac pro to edit all his videos he has multiple iPads in his house, multiple iPhones, an Apple TV, et cetera, et cetera. He's been a, a Mac enthusiast for as long as I can remember. And I really, over the years, really appreciated what, what Apple is doing in terms of just creating this unified ecosystem. I think it's something that for, for those of us that are non-Apple users, we really were, we really were hoping we'd get that type of harmony with Windows. And I mean, that was one of the big issues at one point with Windows when they did, you know, Surface um, Windows RT and then they had regular Windows 8 and all the, this this big disconnect between mobile, tablet and desktop systems. Not even not to mention even at the Xbox itself. Obviously, the smart glass app was about as close as 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 we could get uh, was as close as we could get to integration amongst all this hardware now we're getting something more unified which really really is exciting stuff like i said as someone who uses windows primarily i really like where it's going even the brand like i said the brand new laptop i picked up is um very very interesting because it's a far departure from what i was using it's a um using windows 8.1 has a full um has capability to upgrade to the windows 10 preview version but I did want to show it to you guys because, as I said, it sucks for those of you that are going to listen to this. So here's a laptop, pretty much the equivalent of a uh, of a Mac Pro. And again, there's no video for this week, so you guys are going to have to see it on YouTube. But in any case, this tablet 
um, the screen folds back. I can use this fully as a tablet runs full windows. 8.1 is not heavy. And best of all, like I said, windows 10 preview version, I can try out on this, which I, which I've played around with a little bit. And I have to say that I think the synergy that they're, the synergy that they're going with is pretty much going to be the wave of the future. So kudos to Microsoft for pulling the trigger on this. I think it's a great step. Uh, it's a great step for them. And I really hope that it's just the, the first of what we're going to start seeing just unified platforms where you can start playing the game on the mic on your Xbox. And maybe you want to take your laptop downstairs and maybe you could continue the game there. Much like Sony's been doing with remote play with the Vita thus far in the PlayStation TV. I think, like I said, the future is unified platforms, unified hardware and everything working in harmony. Excuse me. <laughs> everything working in harmony. So again, once we find out more about the SDK and what programs we'll be able to see on that, we will of course make sure to get that news to you guys as soon as possible. Anyway, that is actually going to wrap up the, uh, the gaming segment for this week. Um, as I did say, the specials for Xbox live and PlayStation plus are in full effect. Just remember that for Xbox Live, the specials go from March 1st through the 15th, and then the other special goes from the 16th through the 30th. So 1st through the 15th is for Tomb Raider, uh, 16th, <clears throat> excuse me, 16th through the 30th is for uh, Bioshock Infinite. And of course, the PlayStation games that I mentioned earlier will be available all month long. All right, so... Let's switch gears, jump into this week's entertainment segment, and wrap it up. I want to open up the entertainment news for this week, um, acknowledging the passing of the legendary Leonard Nimoy. Uh, Leonard Nimoy, of course, we all know him for Mr. Spock. I know him also as the voice of Galvatron in Transformers the movie and um, numerous other roles that he's been involved in over the years. For me, growing up, my my first um, exposure to this, this guy's incredible acting was watching Star Trek II, uh, The Wrath of Khan. And when I saw it and I just saw the great chemistry he had with William Shatner, I realized that this guy was a very, very special talent. Um, Leonard Nimoy passed away from complications from an from an illness called COPD. And uh, the thing that that got me was just the fact that we all talk about geek culture, pop culture, and and we all have our 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 special our special people that we feel are representatives of that culture to the fullest and, you know, for comic fans, it's Stan Lee. Uh, for sci-fi buffs, it's, you know, you could talk William Shatner. You can talk Mark Hamill. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. But Leonard Nimoy has been a guy who's always embraced his, his fame. And he's always been just accessible. And, and he always just tried to be a, um, a vehicle of inspiration. You can pretty much look at him as a guy that always went out of his way to just say really, really great things, try and and reinforce just positivity among the geek community. And it's funny because you see him, you know, in the new Star Trek film, uh, playing Spock from the future, and you read his Twitter, and you realize that this guy 
he was he was more than just you know Mr. Spock. He he was a guy that really just looked at the world a little differently and was just uh, a great ambassador for the quote unquote geek community. Um, myself and the rest of our RageWorks team, of course, uh, pass our condolences to uh, Leonard Nimoy's family, friends, and colleagues. Like I said, it was it was very shocking to read that. I've always I've always felt that that guys like him, William Shatner, uh, Harrison Ford, who who recently had some issues where he was involved in a plane crash that I heard about that earlier today. Um, you know, it's, it's just crazy that you look at these individuals and they, they touch your lives with, with their work and you don't realize that, you know, they're, they're, they're more than just these, these personalities. A lot of them are, are just great, great ambassadors for the culture at large. They're, great entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and, you know, it, it was very, very cool to see just such a, a huge outpouring of support from my quote-unquote fellow geek community in the passing of Leonard Nimoy. Uh, Slick said in the chat he adopted many of his Twitter fans and was their honorary grandfather. Again, like I said, a guy who was inspiring to many, always, always with a kind word, and, you know, it's funny, his his last tweet, when they shared it, a lot of people were just putting screen grabs of it, was was just real crazy because it was just very, very forward thinking. And I think about his passing much like I think about the passing of, you know, from from a wrestling perspective, the passing of the Ultimate Warrior. Once again, you know, a person, an individual that many of us watched, we embraced either because they embodied something we wanted to be or they preached an ideal that resonated with us. I mean, it, it, it's 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 crazy. I remember when when Warrior passed and so many people, again, huge outpouring of support, from, from the wrestling community, people that, you know, watched his work or were inspired by his words. Uh, same thing with Leonard Nimoy. It's, it's crazy. And much like, much like I've said before, you know, Stan Lee's a guy, he's getting up, he's getting up in age. And I think that the day, you know, the knock on wood, the day Stan Lee passes will probably be a day that every comic fan just, just dreads. It's going to be, cause it's just something where this is a guy who, who's, pretty much, you know, the, the, the grandfather of comics. And of course you can look at guys like Jack Kirby, Bob Kane and countless others, but Stan Lee just, you know, he he's taken it to a whole other level. So again, you know, to circle back, you know, our condolences to Leonard Nimoy's friends, family and colleagues, uh, again, live long and prosper. I can't do the, uh, the hand gesture because I have the, the, the weird issue where, my uh my last two fingers can't come together so i can't do, i can't do it accurately the only way it would work was would be if i tape my last two fingers together so uh can't do that anyway switching gears i um i want to talk about one of my favorite martial artists of all time that being the legendary bruce lee who many consider to be the father of mixed martial arts now when you look at bruce lee and you've look at, you look at his body of work you realize that you know, his biography, the way he lived, everybody tries to bring that to the big screen in some capacity. Uh, the last film that really that really tried to, to depict his life, not only as best as it could, but they kind of took some liberties and made it more uh, a bit more about fantasy than I would expect uh, was dragging the Bruce Lee story. Well, it turns out that Bruce Lee Entertainment has announced that they will be releasing an official biopic about the legendary martial artist, of course. Uh, his daughter Shannon Lee will be producing it alongside Lawrence Gray and Janet Young. The film is going to be the first film created with the family's full involvement in the production and is aiming to be the definitive biopic of the very, very iconic 
Bruce Lee. Now, for me, while Dragon the Bruce Lee story was not the story that we would have liked to have seen about Bruce Lee, I did. I do feel that it has a, its place amongst martial arts films, and just because they they took Hollywood took some liberties with the story doesn't mean that the movie was terrible. On the contrary, it did have some really good fight choreography. It, excuse me, it told as much of the story that could be told with, while also adding a little bit of entertainment as well. I'm curious to see how extensive and how deep this biopic is going to go because there's a lot of stuff about Bruce Lee that, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of mystery. Um, some people talk about, you know, the curse that surrounded him and, and the passing of his son, Brandon, and I'm re- I'm really curious to see if they're going to acknowledge that or if they're even going to talk about that because that you know people feel that that's superstition and that really had no bearing on the passing of Bruce Lee. But I don't know. It, it's always been something that's been rather interesting to me, not only as a fan but just as as a kid who pretty much jumped into martial arts by watching uh, the Big Boss and Enter the Dragon growing up and then gravitating towards all the Shaw Brothers stuff, you know, all the Shaolin Temple films, uh, 36 Chamber, uh, 18 Bronze Men, etc., Hell's Wind Staff, and the list goes on. But I really want to see what type of a biopic they're going to do and how deep into the story they're going to go. And if, like I said, they're going to acknowledge those, uh, you know, those superstitious elements. Of course, once I get a release date and I find out who's going to be cast as, as Bruce Lee, I will definitely let you guys know that. Um, Lucha Lee says Jason Scott Lee was awesome. I agree. Jason Scott Lee did a great job. Jason Scott Lee was surprisingly good in Soldier, which is a very underrated action film. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but it was pretty good, and the concept was quite sound, not to mention Jason Scott Lee was a beast in that movie. If you haven't seen it, you could probably find it at your local video store for five bucks. Well, your local video store. Look at me dating myself. <laughs> you could probably you could probably find it maybe on Netflix or Hulu. Um, definitely not streaming. I haven't seen it on streaming. But if you still got the uh, the Netflix one disc plan, you could probably pick it up there. Or you know maybe look at your uh, local swap meet. You might get lucky and find it there as well. Lucha Lee says apparently they're making a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon movie as uh, two, and Jason Scott Lee is going to be in that. That is correct. <clears throat> A Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2 is going to happen. Uh, Once again, um, I did mention that a couple of weeks back, but the news regarding it has been rather scarce. So I will definitely try and get some info for you. The uh, the Jason Scott Lee casting I heard is legit, but I want to try and find out if it's going to be straight to video, if it's going to be released in theaters, who's doing the choreography. I'll definitely try and get that information for you, Lucha Lee. Ah, thank you. Uh, Lucha Lee was kind enough to provide me with the release date, which is August 28th, 2015. Thank you for that. Much appreciated. All right. So we know about the expendables. We know them all too well. We know about the first film. We know about the, the decent second film, the lackluster third film, the inevitable fourth film, the female expendables film. But how about expendables? The TV show. Don't adjust, don't, don't turn that dial folks, because it is happening. Expendables is coming to the small screen, courtesy of Fox television and Sylvester Stallone. He will not be in the film, but he will be serving as executive producer. Uh, pretty much. It's going to be the typical lighthearted action drama, much like the Expendables has been, 
um, but it's going to actually utilize old television stars in addition to some of Hollywood's leading men as well. So if you've watched any longtime action action series or police procedurals, you know that you might see one of those television stars in an Expendables TV show. If anybody would be a shoe in for that show, it would be Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the reason I say that is because, yes, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin's character died in the Expendables films. But again, why not introduce him as another character in the Expendables TV show? I think Stone Cold would be a shoe in for that. So would Randy Couture. I mean, that's not to say that Randy Couture is running out there taking roles left and right, but I think it would be a great way to add some synergy to the TV series by adding a, a veteran from that cast. And Randy Couture is a shoe in for that. I, I would even probably put in Terry Crews as well, uh, just because, you know, Terry Crews, again, a guy that has done, besides movies, has also done his fair share of TV. Now, if we wanted to go down the list of TV actors that I would put in The Expendables, it's a bit of a stretch. I would probably put Michael Jai White in there, even though I'm sure Michael Jai White would be in another Expendables film. But Michael Jai White is also a, a television actor. He does he does a, he's done a, his fair share of TV shows. I think he'd also be a good candidate for that as well. I know that Wesley Snipes is also doing some stuff on the small screen. So maybe throw Wesley Snipes in there as well. Mario Van Peebles, yes, Lucha Lee, thank you. Mario Van Peebles would be great. Definitely, I would use probably uh, Mario Van Peebles, Daniel Bernhardt. Uh, Gary Daniels is a good one. Who else can we throw in there? Uh, I would throw Bakeem Woodbine in there. Bakeem Woodbine's done a couple of different things. I would dig up Lou Diamond Phillips and just have him reprise the character that he played in the big hit. Jason Scott Lee is another one. Thank you. Lucha Lee is on fire tonight. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys, a, a lot of secondary and tertiary actors that even though they're act they're action stars and have been involved in, in on television, I would throw them in there, and I would probably make like their CIA contact. I'd make it David Hasselhoff just for shits and giggles, because not for nothing, Michael Knight in Knight Rider is about as iconic as you can get. I would definitely throw him in there. Um, who else can we can we drag in there? I'm talking about old guys. Uh. I would, you know what? I would probably use Malik Yoba. Many of you may know Malik Yoba from a uh, a very very cult classic Fox Five TV series called New York Undercover, um, where obviously he played a detective on the New York in the New York Police Department. Uh, one of his uh, one of his signature villains is another TV standout who would also be good in that series, and that would be Ice T. I would probably throw Ice T in there as well. I think that would work. Uh, again, we could we could have a lot of fun with this, but it's going to be very interesting to see how the Expendables can translate to the small screen um, with Fox at the helm. I think it's going to be very fun. It's going to be it's definitely going to be violent, but I know they're not going to go over the top with it. Slick said Mr. T, and I was going to go with Mr. T, but I think uh, you know his his age and some of his um, I know he's got some some physical issues going on may prohibit him from doing that, but maybe a cameo would be cool. You know, a B.A. Baracus cameo would be interesting. Um, even if it's in the background or something subtle, 
uh, shit, I wouldn't mind that. I, I would love to see that. But again, you know, it's all dependent on, on Mr. T's health. But uh, Billy Zane. Oh, shit. Another guy. Thank you, Lucha Lee. Billy Zane is another douchey guy. I do have to give him credit, though. I liked I liked him in The Phantom. Even though The Phantom is considered a shitty movie, I did like him in The Phantom. I got I got to give the I got to give the devil its due. The Phantom The Phantom is a guilty pleasure of mine, but that's also because I I used to like watching Flash Gordon and the Defenders of the Earth. If you guys remember, this was an old cartoon. It was Flash Gordon uh the Phantom uh the Magician. There was one other guy as well. Slick, man, you're 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 right up there with me on the TV. Mandrake, thank you. See? Slick on point with that. Yeah, Defenders of the Earth was my first exposure to the Phantom. And I really thought his character was cool. So when they released the movie with Billy Zane, I remember I told my brother, I'm like, yo, man, you got to take me to see this. I want to see it. And I went to see it. You know, I was young and and it was like, ah, it's all right. You know, I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't I didn't think it was great by any stretch, but uh, I did. I did enjoy it. I definitely did enjoy that film. You know, I really group I group that. I grouped the Phantom right up there with the Shadow. Now, the Shadow with with Alec Baldwin wasn't the greatest fucking superhero movie ever, but it had moments that really, really worked. And I actually felt at that time that the way Alec Baldwin portrayed Lamont Cranston, who was the Shadow's alter ego, would have been... I I always said that, damn, Alec Baldwin will make a badass Bruce Wayne just based on that alone. Now, obviously, you know, Michael Keaton was Batman, etc., 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 but I always felt that Alec Baldwin, for some reason, he had something about him that I always felt made him like a, a bona fide Bruce Wayne. I think if it, I don't know if it's the hair or the way that he just presented himself. I I have no clue, but I really felt that that was a you know that that he was a guy that I always felt had that Bruce Wayne vibe. Lucha Lee threw out another name, Ray Stevenson, definitely. Uh, Manu Bennett, of course, who plays Deathstroke and. We know from Spartacus, uh, Liam McIntyre from Spartacus also would be good for the Expendables. The list goes on and on, but um, let's not let's not belabor the issue any further and move on. I do I do want to mention that the Crow film that originally was going to have Luke Evans is no longer with a lead because Luke Evans actually backed away from the role. Uh, the actor in consideration now is Jack Houston who many of you may know from Boardwalk Empire for his portrayal as Richard Harrow, which was the guy with half a face who was also kind of uh, the assassin, uh, the hitman with a heart of gold, etc., etc. It looks like he will be taking up for, he will be taking Luke Evans' place. It looks like um, Houston is already a shoo-in, and the reboot, which has been in in the works for quite some time, will be moving ahead with him as the lead. As of right now, it looks like there is no target date as of yet. But as always, once I get that, it's going to be heading your way. All right, so let's talk box office totals for the week. Focus came in at number one with $19.1 million. Uh, the Kingsman came in at number two, earning an additional $11.8 million, bringing its grand total to 857 The SpongeBob movie was number three. Fifty Shades of Grey was number four. The Lazarus Effect came in at number five. Really bad opening, $10.6 million. McFarlane USA came in at number six. American Sniper continues to make waves at the number seven slot, earning $7.7 million, and its grand total 
is now at $331.1 million. The Duff came in at number eight. Still Alice came in at number nine. Hot Tub Time Machine 2 came in at number 10, earning a two, an additional $2.4 million, bringing that film's grand total to $10.4 million. So with that said, it's been a rather stagnant couple of weeks at the box office. Like I said, I did go, I went to see the Kingsman and I'll give you guys the, the short and sweet, uh, very, very awesome movie. Um, a bit of a departure from the comic books, but just a fun, ultra violent bit of, of storytelling. If you're a fan of, of films like 007, but you also appreciate the blood and guts and grit of a movie like Kick-Ass, definitely give the Kingsman a shot. I really, really did enjoy it. Like I said, I, that's the short and sweet of it. Um, be on the lookout for our review either on RageWorks.net or in a brand new episode of the Minority Film Report. All right, so it wouldn't be an entertainment segment without some Marvel news. Um, Latino Review and countless other sites are reporting that uh, writer and director Drew Goddard is apparently moving on from the Sinister Six film and will be jumping on board Marvel's upcoming Spider-Man reboot. Now, some people may consider that good. Some people may consider that, that bad. Me, personally, wait and see. As I said, Spider-Man's involvement is a very, very big question mark at the time, and it still is. And I will say that, you know, with the latest trailer for Avengers Age of Ultron, I wouldn't even put it past Marvel for Spider-Man to appear at the end, you know, as a bonus scene in the credits. I wouldn't even put it past them. Because Marvel is notorious for doing some really cool stuff. And usually there's always two post-credit scenes. I've noticed that over the last couple of releases. So I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, the Avengers were in, you know, eating eating shawarma again after a big battle. And then they walk out and all of a sudden Spider-Man walks in and he's like, damn, guess I missed them. Or something like that. Something cool. Just Spider-Man in costume. Nothing crazy. I think it would be fun, and I think it would get people really, really excited. If Marvel and Sony were smart, they would do something like that. Like I said, nothing nothing that would tie to anything, just a little fan service, you know, or or maybe just Tony Stark locking up uh, the Avengers building for the night, going to sleep, being like, oh, good night, Jarvis, good night, Mr. Stark, and then you just see Spider-Man um, holding his camera and just being like, good night, Mr. Stark. And something like that, just just something subtle, but something fun. I think people would lose their fucking minds just because it would be unex, unexplained, um, you know, and, and the best part is you'd have to keep it under wraps. Like it would have to be something where if the film debuts internationally, you can't release that scene for the international release, but you could make it like a DVD extra or something. You have to keep that under wraps because that'll... That'll make its way through the grapevine super quick. Slick says it would be awesome if they walk out of the shawarma restaurant and see in the scene at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2 where Spidey threw the manhole cover at Ultimate Rhino. You know what, Slick? As much as that would be awesome, the problem is that they're trying to wipe the fucking slate clean, which is unfortunate, but that would be tremendous. They just walk out and they're just like, what the hell? And you just see Spider-Man throwing the manhole at Rhino. That would... That people would lose their minds, dude. But again, that would have to. Uh, that would have to. They'd have to co-sign to embracing, you know, the the Amazing Spider-Man two mythos. I mean, the scene itself wouldn't hurt nobody because it, it would just be a random scene. 
but I think that doing something where, you know, just Spider-Man misses them or he's like, damn, I wanted to talk to that guy or something. Just it would be it would be very interesting. Or I think it would be even better if maybe it was uh, Nick Fury sitting in his office and and just him with his back to the camera saying, you know, I've heard a lot about you and I think you would be a great addition to the team and keep some of these guys in line. And it would just turn around, you know, the camera would pan around and he'd be like, sure. I'll think about it. I think it would be um I think it would be really cool to to go that route if you wanted to. But again, uh we're not going to find out what the deal is till till May till May when Avengers comes out, but they're really trying to uh really drive the point home that Avengers Age of Ultron is the beginning of the end for the Avengers as a team. And this third trailer which I put on rageworks.net was out of this world. Um heavy on action, heavy on, on just really, really great action sequences. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be an amazing, amazing film. And again, they did a tremendous job, not, not showing people the vision. The end of the trailer showed just the vision opening his eyes and sure there's been, you know, toys and stuff for the vision, but we haven't really seen him on screen. We haven't heard him speak yet. And I think that, that Marvel is doing a great job keeping that on their wraps. And I, I hope they continue to do that with any additional trailers they, they they may put out. I've been hearing that this trailer was actually the last trailer for the film, and that's just going to be it. The only thing you're going to see now are going to be TV spots, but um, everything else is just, you know, pretty much full steam ahead. Like I said, we're, we're two months away. I can't wait. And Spider-Man being on the board, so to speak, really opens up a lot of different opportunities for a lot of cool cameos. Like I said, if you don't do it in Spider-Man, you could do it in Civil War, whatever the case may be. I mean, if you don't do it in Avengers, you could do it in Civil War, I think. Or hell, you could even do it in Daredevil in a subtle sort of way. Like, like just have like Matt Murdock walk by the Daily Bugle. Maybe you see Spider-Man's silhouette just keeping an eye on him. Just like, oh, I think I'm going to keep an eye on this guy. Like, it would just be so fun. A lot of great fan service. And like I said, you don't have to announce who's under the mask. Just something quick and to the point without saying too much it would it would be a you know a nice wink and a nod towards the fans but again nothing is concrete as of yet like i said drew goddard was originally going to direct and write the sinister six all signs point to him possibly writing and directing spider-man but i will say that the that the brothers that directed uh captain america and the winter soldier also got a first look deal from sony so maybe they may be giving those guys a shot instead to do spider-man so again nothing is concrete right now rumors are pretty strong that it's going to be drew goddard not 100 percent sure yet but as soon as i hear it you know i got to tell you guys so be on the lookout for that for those of you that are fans of hbo and all its programming and are interested in cutting the cord hbo and sony are partnering together to release an hbo go um well correction HBO, HBO and Sony are partnering together to bring HBO Go to the PlayStation 4. It's already available as of today's show. Uh, the app works pretty much the same as the PlayStation 3 version. And again, um, the reason I talk about cutting the cord is because HBO is also going to be releasing a standalone service, which is going to be called HBO Now. And that's going to run at $15 a month. Again, that's going to be something that you're going to want to keep 
an ion because if you're interested in cutting the cord and you don't want to pay all that money for for all those other unnecessary cable channels only for for the premise of getting HBO then you're going to be able to use the HBO Now service at $15 a month. Uh, right now, all signs point to HBO Now uh, debuting before Game of Thrones returns. Of course, that would be a good way to get a huge bump in subscribers. But again, take that with a grain of salt. Right now, HBO Now is pretty much the only thing we know. It's going to run $15. And... um <laughs> <laughs> pretty much slick says hbo had subscribers before cable came to be it's true man hbo th- 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 you know what the thing is hbo's original programming has just become such a such a driving force for them that for them to put out a standalone service it's you know yet for them to put out a standalone service at this point is just a no-brainer you know that's how crazy it is it's 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 ridiculous. You know, you got HBO Go, which again you can access on all your mobile devices and on all your video game platforms, Apple TV, Roku, etc. But now we're going into a whole other ball game. HBO now, yep, it could rival Netflix because think about it, if HBO gets all those first look films before they're available for rent, you know, like like the Avengers 2 or whatever. If those if those movies head to HBO first, it's going to give people the incentive. You're going to pay whatever, 10 bucks for Netflix and 15 for HBO. Maybe you're a glutton for punishment and you want to pay the 15 or the 10 or 15 for Hulu. So that's 30, 40, maybe 50 bucks versus, you know, a hundred plus that most of us are paying for cable. Again, just, it's a very, very interesting landscape. If you're a fan of, if you're just a fan of, of trying to cut the cord, HBO is definitely making that, a very, very attractive option for a lot of people. Dark Helmet says, HBO step in their game and evolving. That's good business sense. It's true. You know what it is? HBO realizes that they're losing a lot of, of market share because people are torrenting their shows because they don't want to pay HBO. Hell, I know a couple of guys that I that start using HBO a month before Game of Thrones goes on and after the season ends for Game of Thrones, they get rid of HBO and that's it. And I mean, you're already paying the 10 bucks to your cable company, the 10 or $15 for HBO. So at that point, you might as well just do that if you're not really watching anything else. If the bulk of your TV time is spent watching Netflix and HBO or maybe Netflix and Showtime, hell, Slick just confirmed that HBO is $20 a month by itself which is which is crazy. So at that point the HBO Now option definitely looks attractive. But again, we we don't have the full scope of it, so once we get more info, we will definitely share it with you guys. Now, like I said, for those of you that have PlayStation 4, you can get HBO Go now as of as of this show's airing and you can just download that. Obviously, that um being able to use HBO Go on PlayStation 4 you got to have an HBO subscription through your current cable provider. Mortis adds, we got HBO for $5 a month on a deal for a year. I think that year is over. There you go. Now it's probably going to run you 10 or 15 bucks, Mortis. Anyway, switching gears, I did want to share another bit of Marvel news, and that involves everyone's favorite Edmantium Clawed Mutant Wolverine. Uh, Hugh Jackman has said that he is interested in reprising his role of Wolverine in Deadpool if needed. 
Jackman spoke with MTV and said, um, there's definitely enemies in the comics and they always spark well together. So yeah, I'd be open to that idea. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, I'm really good friends with him. I'm really happy for him because he's a brilliant actor and he will nail it. Oh man, it'd be awesome if you could just have like um, Deadpool holding the sign that a lot of people have uh, like to use on on Google. Um, Deadpool holding the sign that says God hates Wolverine. Just something subtle, something funny. I would love to see that because it's stuff like that that really just like I said, it's fan service. Fans can appreciate it. Just or or Wolverine in a bar and Deadpool comes in. He says that to him. Hey, pal, get out of my face. You know, just something just something really cool. Um, again, Hugh Jackman, he, he's really embraced the role of Wolverine and he's willing to work with everybody to try and get Wolverine as much screen time as possible. Pretty much. It's no different than Wolverine in the comics because Wolverine is pretty much everywhere. He's in Spider-Man. He's in the Avengers. He pops up all over the place when you least expect it. So seeing Wolverine pop up in Deadpool would be funny. Um, again, purely speculation at this point, but I really hope it does pan out. I'd love to see Wolverine and Deadpool, even if it's for a brief scene. It would definitely be very cool to see. You guys remember last week and the week prior that I was talking about Uncle Buck getting a TV series. Well, it looks like we're moving ahead with that with some casting. It looks like Mike Epps is actually going to be playing the role of Uncle Buck. As I mentioned uh, during last week's show and the week prior, they're looking to do Uncle Buck with an African-American cast. So, of course, the film is going to be based on the 1989 film, uh, excuse me, the TV series is going to be based on the 1989 film with John Candy, and um, Mike Epps is going to be playing the role made famous, of course, by John Candy, that of Uncle Buck. Again, we'll see how it pans out. Mike Epps is pretty funny. Um, it should uh, it should be interesting to see. That's supposed to be, I believe, on ABC is where uh, we're going to be seeing Uncle Buck when it debuts. No other casting news have been announced as of yet. In some other small screen news, we are moving ahead with that Rush Hour TV series. Right now, it looks like John Fu, who was in the Tekken film, has been cast as Detective Lee in the CBS adaptation of Rush Hour. Of course, he's taking over for the character made famous by Jackie Chan. The original 1998 movie, of course, helped make Jackie Chan a star here in the U.S. Uh, Fu is a British actor of Chinese and Irish descent. Just let that let that sink in. He is a trained martial artist and has done stunt work and worked internationally as well. Obviously, it's going to be the typical fish out of water humor. I'm curious to see what actor they get for Detective Carter and how well that chemistry will pan out on screen. As of right now, there has been no no announcement with regards to a premiere date or a, a time slot, etc. And, you know, right now, as much as I don't want to see it because I feel it's not going to be good, I'm willing to give it a chance. And the reason I say that is because I've been pleasantly surprised by Hawaii Five-0 on CBS. While it's not obviously frame for frame exact like the old Hawaii Five-0 series, it's definitely carved out a niche for itself as its own as its own individual show and it has some solid moments some pretty decent acting uh definitely some good action sequences so uh rush hour coming to the to the small screen you know i'm gonna take a wait and see approach simple as that ah the independence day sequel which we've talked about at nauseum for multiple shows is actually getting some casting news this week 
Uh, Jeff Goldblum is back to reprise his role from the first film. In addition to that, um, Liam Hemsworth will be joining the cast, as will Jesse Usher. Uh, Jesse Usher will be playing Dylan Hiller, who is the son of Will Smith's Captain Stephen Hiller from the original film. Hemsworth will play the son-in-law of President Whitmore, of course, played by Bill Pullman, who's been rumored to be returning. Uh, as of right now, Will Smith is not part of the sequel, but yes, Independence Day 2 is moving forward. Now, if you guys remember, the original Independence Day debuted July 3rd, 1996, and earned $817 million worldwide. This was the first uh, movie juggernaut that I was a part of because I actually worked in the movie theater when that movie came out and it was insane. We actually, when I worked in the theater had shows starting at 8 AM and people were lining up to see the 8 AM shows all the way through till midnight, uh, 1 AM, 2 AM, 3 AM shows and people still lined up to see it. So that $817 million was, was definitely earned by that film. As for the sequel, that will be debuting on June 24th, 2016, 20 years after the original. So there you have it. 20 years after the first Independence Day, we will be getting its sequel. Next week, we're going to be getting a live action Cinderella on the big screen. And this is probably a continuing trend from Disney as they are going to give us a live action Beauty and the Beast. Uh, the live action Beauty and the Beast is going to be directed by Bill Condon. And Harry Potter's Emma Watson will be playing Princess Belle. It's been announced that Luke Evans is pre pretty much a signature away from signing on to portray Gaston, which many of you know is a very, very iconic character in the Disney version of the film. So I'm curious to see how Luke Evans will portray Gaston on the big screen. In any case, Beauty and the Beast, the live action version, hits theaters in 2016. So... There you have it. Pretty crazy stuff. Now, I want to close out with this last bit of news because I figured if we talked about the Avengers and the trailer at the beginning, it'd be nice to close out with the Avengers at the end. So, obviously, the Avengers Age of Ultron tickets are already on sale. So, if you're a comic fan and you want to get your foot in the door immediately, you can go to your theater. You could go to your theater now and buy those tickets. But, AMC, Regal Entertainment, Cinemark, Harkins, and National Amusement are going to be doing what they're calling the Ultimate Marvel Marathon. This is fucking insane. Um, it's going to give every single Marvel Studios film spanning over 27 hours. It will begin on April 29th with Iron Man and conclude April 30th with Avengers Age of Ultron. As of right now, the schedule would be as follows. And again, this is a, uh, a tentative schedule, but check this out. They would start with Iron Man at 6 o'clock, The Incredible Hulk shortly after at 8.25. At 10.35, they would give Iron Man 2. At 1 o'clock in the morning, you would get Thor. At 3.10 in the morning, you would get Captain America and the First Avenger. Right after that, at 5.30 in the morning, you would get the Avengers. At 8.48 in the morning, you get Iron Man 3. At 11.15 in the morning, you get Thor the Dark World. At 1.45, you get Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Then at 4.20, you would get Guardians of the Galaxy. And of course, last but not least, at 7 o'clock, you would get Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, 
not every theater is doing this. Others are doing the double feature, giving the Avengers and then the Avengers Age of Ultron. Again, if you're interested in participating in this, uh, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark each are going to offer their own perks. But let's think about this. 27 hours in a movie theater seat. How much popcorn and how much soda will you need to survive? That's the real question because I'll be honest, I can't go to the movies and watch a movie without a big-ass bucket of popcorn, which, again, for from health reasons or not, big-ass bucket of popcorn is a must. Some sort of beverage, whether it's a, it's a, a Coke Zero or seltzer water, whatever the case may be, definitely on the side. But again, 27 hours, 27, (laughs) just let that sink in. I I, I was telling my wife, I'm like, yo, I really, I really would love to do it. I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably make it through the 27 hours. I would just because I'm a fucking glutton for punishment, but I, I definitely, I'd love to do that just to say that I did it, you know, just like. I know a couple of guys that have seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the extended editions from the first to the last. So again, not, it's not a shocker for me, but that's totally different than sitting in a movie theater for 27 fucking hours. It's, it's madness at its best. Um, Danny asked, do you get an achievement? Fuck that. You know what I'd like? I'd like a replica Ultron head. If I escape that theater alive, (laughs) I don't know. I, you know what it is? Um, Lucha Lee says, I went through a 12-hour marathon of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies one through six after number six came out. 27 hours is a bit much. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I'd love to see it. You know, I'd I'd love to, I'd love to just say I did that. The Marvel Corpse thing would be cool, man. Like maybe you walk out, you get an official Marvel Corpse box, which is the, the, the equivalent of Loot Crate. Um... It's it's bananas, but I'd I'd love to do that. Give everyone a box that may justify it. That would be really cool. But again, you know, 27 hours is a long stretch, but I, I'm giving it serious thought. I will keep you guys uh, up to I'll keep you guys in the loop if I decide to pull the trigger on that. Like I said, I'd have to leave my office early and then sit there for 27 hours. I I definitely am not, not going to make my wife endure that because she would probably kill me at some point during the, during that time. But I don't know. I just, I, I want to do that shit. I, I want to do it because like I said, it, it just be something fucking cool. You get, you get five or six people. You go to a theater with some awesome seats. Forget it. I mean, there's a theater here. It's the, um, the lows in, in a, in an area here in new in Queens called fresh, uh, fresh meadows. And that theater has re- has th- has reclining seats where you can actually choose your seat much like you do when you go to a sporting event. I would probably be able to sit 27 hours in that because number 1 the seats you can fully recline, number 2 uh it has cup holders that actually keep your beverages warm because they're they're chilled cup holders. I could sit through 27 hours in that. That's for shit sure. 27 hours in that theater, I could do. I don't know about doing it in uh in the other theater which is Westbury Stadium. Um, slick knows this theater that I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> slick says you'd be asleep. Lucha Lee adds reclining seat for a 27 hour marathon is a bad idea because you'd fall asleep. Yeah. Those Westbury stadium seats slick can attest dude. those seats are terrible, but the seats at the, uh, the fresh metals theater, like I said, really plush 
super reclining. You can recline all the way back to the point where you're laying flat. It's like being in a dentist chair. But again, that 27-hour time time stand is just bananas. But I'm sure that they're going to break it up because if you look at it, if if you go to see Iron Man and then you see Incredible Hulk, the gap between Incredible Hulk and then Iron Man 2 at 10:35, like I said, Iron Man 2 is not 3 hours long at, you know, for Thor starts at 1 a.m. So I'm sure you're going to you're going to have a couple of intermissions. I'm sure they're going to want to clean the theaters. You're going to want to go take a dump, whatever the case may be. And and you know, God help you, but um I will I will say it's it's a crazy concept. It is crazy. 27 hours in a movie theater. I if I can't do it, I I beg one of our audience members to do it. I I beg for it to happen. <laughs> Danny says that they really think this thing through and Slicks adds how much is the ticket? Um I don't have any links for how much the ticket is yet, Slick, but once I, once I find out I, I definitely want to let you know and the rest of you guys. I know that the tickets for Age of Ultron by itself are on sale, but each theater is approaching it differently. Like I said, it's AMC, Regal Entertainment, Cinemark, Megaplex, Harkins, and National Amusements are going to be doing this. They're calling it the Ultimate Marvel Marathon. Slick adds $100 better cover all the movies and like three full meals. <laughs> I don't know, man. I... I I will say this. If I had to fall asleep during any movie, I probably would fall asleep during the first Avenger. Not because I didn't like it, but just because the early part of that movie is just a lot of buildup and it doesn't pick up as much until he becomes Captain America. So, you know, you could probably nap through most of that. Same thing with the first Thor movie. The first Thor movie, you can nap through the early part of that film. But you know, the Avengers you're not sleeping through, the Incredible Hulk you're not sleeping through, Iron Man you're not sleeping through. Iron Man 3, depending on who you ask or whether they really like it, eh, maybe, but, you know, the other movies are definitely heavier, that's for sure. Lucha Lee adds, I fell asleep during Watchmen, midnight showing, but I had to get up at 4 a.m. for work that day. I remember Slick and I went to see Watchmen in a uh, a place called the Cradle of Aviation. It had a curved screen. And it probably was bigger than IMAX at the time, right, Slick? It was ridiculous. I think that the only thing that would probably make me irritable for 27 hours is if people are fucking noisy. If they're noisy, I'm going to want to kill them. I definitely am going to want to kill them. But again, uh, just to bring it home and wrap things up, if you are interested in doing that, it's called the Ultimate Marvel Marathon. April 29th through april 30th there you have it anyway with that said that is actually going to wrap up the entertainment segment but is also going to wrap up this week's show so let's get the hell out of here shall we you've just heard my take radio episode 278 presented by rageworks as always you can listen to past episodes of my take radio by finding us on itunes stitcher tune in radio or via rageworks as always if you are getting the shows via iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We would really, really appreciate it. As for social media, you can find My Take Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. You can also follow Rageworks on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. You can follow our boards on Pinterest. You can follow me on Instagram, Rageworks underscore Rich. 
Still debating if we want to do an official Rageworks Instagram at this time, but if you are an Instagram user, you can follow me there. Uh, last but not least, our Rageworks Tumblr blog, which is currently MTR Extras, will go live this weekend as we transition that over as well. And I will be reaching out to some of you to help us beta test our forums. Again, archived episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. As for live shows, every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for MMA and Wrestling. Thursday nights, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for Gaming and Entertainment. Be on the lookout for a brand new episode of Black is the New Black with Ben and Taylor and some other stuff as well. On behalf of myself and the rest of the MTR team, I will catch you guys later. As always, thanks for your continued support and thanks for listening. Peace. Uh, uh, that's all, folks.